Under a Red Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello, and thank you for joining us for episode 94 of the Under a Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker. I'm a full-time photographer, practice to teach, demonstrates new labor and photographic process history, including modern digital gear techniques. And with me in studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes and is our entry-level process and kids class instructor. Welcome, Christine. Good evening. What is going on? It's Sunday night and it's been a long weekend. It has been a long weekend. Been a uh, been a crazy week, been a crazy weekend, but you know what? Everything's, uh, everything's going well. Uh, I am, with all this rain, you would think that all this allergy stuff would be gone yeah it's still here we had a you know we'll talk a little bit about a a tin type wedding we had yesterday and we were in a very cool historic old barn but inside historic old barns is a lot of historic old allergens and that may that may be a problem too and the weather has been interesting too this weekend oh absolutely we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that and um got a couple couple interesting things to talk about today uh we're gonna talk about a a new film stock that's coming out and and two pinhole related kind of kickstarter thingies we got our dji microphones in we'll talk about how we think uh, what we think about them to start and we've got some cool news on the youtube front but uh you know we'll get to that uh, after this really quick word from our sponsor okay christine the wedding was crazy it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. It was it was fun. You know, we when you when you get to work with like a bride and groom and wedding coordinators and and the people for a, a location and everybody is so cool, then it makes it makes life a lot a lot easier. We um, we had gotten a contact um, a couple months ago about setting up and, and making tin types for a wedding. And everything was was hunky dory until we had this really weird storm come up the coast. And that yeah. thing was spinning and swirling and doing all kinds of stuff. It was very interesting, and it made it cold this weekend. It, it was weird because it came, it came from like Florida, came up the coast, and and sure as sure as anything, it was fifty degrees was the high yesterday at at this wedding. And because it rained, we were, we were indoors. That was, you know, that was fun. And that, and that's one of the things we, you know, we always do. And, and no matter, you know, what you're doing as a vendor, just know what, know every possible thing that can go wrong and be ready for it. Right. That's all. Look, we're, you know, we're going to set up this outside and we're going to shoot this and, and we've we've been to the location. We know where we want to shoot, where we want the backgrounds to be. FYI, if it's too cold or you know, usually not in May is it too hot, but if it's too cold, then you know, we need a you know, we need a little bit of a adjustment. If it's too hot, we can usually adjust that pretty, you know, pretty easily. 
you know, we're not we're not going to like it, but you know, we're not going to not come because it's over 100 degrees or something. We've done it. We've done it worse. Yeah. And then of course, if it rains, you know, we're we need indoor indoor space. And we were watching the forecast and watching the forecast and watching the radar, and sure sure enough, we had that crazy storm come up and we went from. 20% chance of rain all the way up. I think the highest we saw was 94% chance of rain. And since it rained all day, I guess that's a hundred percent chance of rain, but we were able to contact, you know, the, the, the coordinator for the, for the venue, we were able to contact them and said, Hey, we need to, you know, just like we kind of worried about, we need to pull an audible and we need to change some stuff around. What can you give us inside? You know, we were already given an area inside to to make the plates, and then they just gave us a little bit more room in order to set up an in, an indoor kind of tin type studio setup, and and yeah, it was it was wild. It was the first time we had gotten to use our our Speedatron lights, the two together, and that was kind of fun. We I, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting how amazing these lights were going to work for tin type. They worked really well, and it, it, they even lit up the backdrop, which surprised you a little bit, I think, at first. It did. Um, we were really constricted for space. Ideally, I would, I would feather a little bit more and make sure that we don't have any any shadows. I had a couple shots where, you know, there were there were some shadows I was I was fighting with, but I uh, I had a couple shots where, and and you know when we talk about Speedatron, these are these are big packs. You know, think of a. I don't know, would you say like a like a microwave? Think of a microwave on its side. Not quite as big as a microwave, but yeah, maybe. Think of a dorm room microwave on its side with a handle on the top and and all these switchy do's and buttony buttony bobs and all these connectors on the front. Each one of these is forty eight hundred watts seconds of of power. We liked the one so much, we, we were putting 24 on one side, 24 on the other. We liked it so much that we wanted another one. We wanted to be able to do 24 in the front and then maybe 124 light in the back to back to light the background up, which we still may end up doing for a lot of our indoor shows, steampunk, more, you know, further wedding things and, and, and get get a 2400 watt light on a um on a uh, on a boom arm on a hair light arm right and and just do it that way which i i like that anyway because you know usually you get a little bit more of a, a kiss on the hair light but but honestly just you know, just being stuck in kind of a, a weird shaped spot kind of kind of small and on this old barn floor under an old barn roof that leaked, <laughs> we had to make sure that none of our, you know, none of our high end, of, you know, anything was, you know, catching any raindrops. It was cold. Thankfully, the, the the power was enough there that I was able to put a little heater right where my my dark box was, and we used our plastic dark box, the indoor dark box, and then ran two extension cords one to the speed of tron 48 one to the other speed of tron 48 and we just blasted people with two 4800 watt heads and it was great they didn't like the brightness sometimes but they loved the flash of heat that came from them oh yeah people were cold <laughs> 
people were calling. We warned people, look, you know, you're, you know, I know you're getting ready to have a wedding. This is going to be a little bit bright. Your vision will come back in a day or two. You're good. No, <laughs> you know, we, we don't, we don't flash people with anything that we don't test ourselves. And the first thing that we did was we made a tintype of ourselves. Actually, one of the first tintypes that, that we are there in our, you know, just us. It was kind of weird because I set up the tintype. I set up Christine. I put her on the head brace. I, I focused her up. I adjusted the lights. I turned off the modeling lamps. These lights usually have a halogen light inside or, or some kind of other light bulb inside that allows you to see where the light's going to go. I turned, I turned those off. I put the plate in the camera, I pulled the slide, I pulled the lens cap off, I went over, stood next to Christine, I used a pocket wizard to, to pop those lights. Ran back over the camera, put the thing on and 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 closed it up. And honestly, I mean it was out it was almost too much light. I usually do a development of, of a of a standardized like 12, 13 seconds every time, but I really pulled it to 10 seconds. And you know, we're talking perfect i thought everything was absolutely perfect the the lighting could have been brought down maybe a, a third of a stop ideally we would have kept them on on the highest power and then we would have just moved them further away from our you know from our people but we didn't i just i just popped them and uh, i pulled the development like two seconds and everything was perfect i couldn't be more happy i, I have a problem though What's that? Well, first of all, I, every plate was perfect except for one. And of course, the, the bride and groom loved this plate, but I had I had some funky development lines on this plate. Um, and it was because I, I ran out of water. Remember that when I was like, Christine, oh, need water, yeah. need water, need water, Christine, Christine, need water. And I thought it came out okay. When you were, you know, when I gave it to you to fix, Christine would pour the fixer on in front of, um, you know, whoever was standing for the plate. And they absolutely loved it. And I said, look, um, now that I'm inspecting this plate, I want to shoot it again. Oh, why? We don't need to shoot. Just do it for me. Just do it for me. I'm going to give you an extra plate for free. Don't argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were more than happy because they got another, they got, a, they got to do another cool pose um, which was the back-to-back -back James Bond holding the, the finger gun up, which is kind of cool. But here's my problem. Yeah? Every plate was damn awesome. <laughs> they were. But the problem is we're talking something that usually takes, you know, indoors. Were we shooting at, at Atlanta for the Steampunk Expo? We were shooting four seconds, right? Yeah. I would shoot four seconds and, and one, two, three, four would allow the background to burn in a little bit. And then I would pop the, pop the speedatron flash 2,400 Watts on each side. And, and we were good. The problem was we had a little bit of movement. If the people moved, there was still a little bit of movement. These plates are instantaneous. I pull the cap off. I can hit the button. I can put the cap back on. In fact, I, another problem was, is, I didn't want people anticipating the flash. Right. So therefore I'd say, okay, we're going to do three seconds, three, two. And then I would kind of, I would kind of guess when I can pop the flash, but really those three seconds were doing nothing. 
Right. It was the one twenty thousandth of a second or however long those those flashes are that was really instantaneously making these tin types happen. Right. My problem is is there a, such a thing as too perfect when it comes to a tin type? I don't think so. Is there such a thing as is there such a thing as a tin type? Is, is one of the things that, that classifies a tin type as a tin type the quality of the sharpness of a plate? Because it was almost too perfect. These shots were almost too perfect. And I kind of missed a little bit about a little bit of the shake, a little bit of the wiggle, a little bit of, okay, well, you've got you've got a young two-year-old child, and you know, usually they're you know, their their heads on a swivel. Usually they're blurry. I miss that a little bit. Now, when I'm doing something is is is, is, is like a like a modern wedding on tin types. That's what they want, but it just made me ex extremely aware of part of the charm of a tin type is the fact that it takes several seconds to make. Does that make sense? It does, and usually you're a perfectionist, but I guess you're missing the. But well, but let's 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 walk that back. I've spent the the last year at our local camera club trying to trying to prove that sharpness does not a good photo make. Just because you have a photo that's sharp and tells no story doesn't mean it's better than a photo that's out of focus, either accidentally or intentionally, that tells a story. And I'm, I think I've told the story before, uh, you know, with, with our camera club, I like throwing photos in there that are kind of experimental, kind of playing around. And one of the, 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 one of my favorite photos I've shot this year was a pinhole at Steamtown National Historic Site. And it's a pinhole. It's a pinhole with a, on a digital camera. Right. Love it. My, one of my favorite shots I've shot this year. Love it, love it, love it. And it's, it's done absolutely garbage i throw it out there i throw it in a contest because i want to know what modern judges think of it and almost all of them oh it's not sharp out all of them threw it out because it's not sharp and we're talking geom it's almost abstract of geometrically perfect you know i spent a lot of time getting the getting the geometry square and centered and everything is perfect but it's a pinhole photo. It's out of focus on purpose. The, the blue of the skies are being reflected. The, uh, the orangish red of the building in, in those windows, the windows, all these geometric patterns being reflected. And one of my favorite shots I've probably ever taken. And it just is sad to see judges sit there and just, just ejected into the nothing verse just because it's not sharp. I think one person did say, oh, I like the geometry, I like the, but it's not sharp out. Where usually people, that's the first thing. A lot of judges, they, and maybe we'll do a judging episode uh, at some point, but a lot of judges go in there and, and it's hard. Judging a photo contest or critiquing images, the critiquing is better because when I'm doing a personal critique session, I can sit down with you or we can, we can do virtual and you send me your images and we both bring them up on the screen. I talk about how, how they make me feel, what the impact is. 
I ask you, why did you shoot this? What was going through your mind? What Judging is a thankless job, and it's very difficult. The problem is there are a lot of judges out there that, that really don't have their own vocabulary yet of, of why a photo impacts them or why a photo makes them feel this or makes them feel that. So many of them use, it's out of focus, or the horizon's not level, or... Um, or there's uh, the sky's blown out, or the wedding dress is blown out, which which are which are good critiques. Now, of course, with a a a white wedding dress, you know sometimes you're just going to have small spots that are blown out, and you need to fix them up. But but the thing is, is that shouldn't be the first thing you think of. They 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 use as a crutch those digital. Um, those digital rules, those compositional rules, um, everything they can find about a photo. Instead, tell me what you feel about the photo. How does the photo make you feel? It makes me think of the architectural competition we had just a couple weeks ago. And it's like the judge couldn't make up their mind. If the sky had clouds, it was out because the clouds took away from the architecture photo to them. Or if the sky was clear with no clouds, it was out because the sky was uninteresting. Don't tell anybody in the club. I agree with the the judge there. I agree. Does the sky lend itself to the photo or does the sky not lend itself to the photo? You have the ability to have, and you can have negative space in your image and just be completely fine. But some photos, you know, maybe you need a little bit more of where you are. If, if the photo stands, if the architecture stands on its own enough and you can have a blah gray sky. Now, of course, there were some skies that were blown out and, and there are problems with that. You're going to have paper white if you print it or if you're, if you're you know, uh, you're making these prints in a dark room. You're not going to have that border there uh, where, the, where, the, where the sky touches the edge of the paper. But absolutely. I, I I know a lot of people kind of complained about that, but to be honest with you, it depends on the image. Just because they say, oh, this guy needs to be more interesting or this guy needs to be less interesting, it just it's all about does it add or detract from the subject? The subject's not the sky, unless you make it it. But in those competitions, the subject was something else. Does the sky add or detract from the impact of the image? And that's all. So I, I let I let people kind of, you know, air their grievances. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> just because a, a judge says on one image, I want more of it on one image, I want less of it doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about. It's just that. But and maybe that judge did, you know, maybe that judge had a hard time using their their photographic vocabulary, which was I think this this sky is a little bit too busy. I think it detracts from your subject. I think it detracts from how you want me to feel. Over here, I think your your sky is 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 bland. Your subject doesn't hold up on its own. You you know that negative space there is is too negative. It doesn't do anything. It they're they're both valid arguments. Now, I don't really remember the photos that that the judge said those things on. And maybe that's an interesting, that would be an interesting thing is go back through the, the recording, go back through that and, and pick out, okay, the judge said this about this guy and this about this guy and actually look at them. But at least first, first reaction through my bra, through my brain, it didn't bother me at all. And I thought, I thought that was, I thought they were, they were good observations.
There's no end all end all be all answer to that. But it is what it is. Another thing that drives me nuts is I love to take macro photos. Well, we're getting a little bit off topic. Too far off topic. Okay. Um, I can't. Even, we're, we were talking about sharpness, and- sharpness and tintypes, and I don't want to go twenty minutes down the rabbit hole, but, um, but yeah, that's just that's just something that bounced into my head. I I can appreciate the use of technology to make a perfectly sharp tintype photo that that takes a fraction of a second to to create. We're hitting so much light on the subject that is reflecting back through the lens onto the tintype that we're in a good spot. I just miss it. There's something to be said for a little bit of a little bit of what do they say? A little bit of bump and grind or whatever it is. A little bit of a little bit of wiggle. There's something to be said for a little bit of wiggle. And usually it's maybe one sitter, two sitters, and they love it. They absolutely love it. Usually, I've had I've had people sit there and, and argue with me because I wanted to make another shot because somebody moved. They argue with me. No, this is it. You're not taking another one. Okay, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Yeah. But now we've said this before. But I will automatically take shots if if there's something on the person's face, if it detracts from the image, if there's an issue, you know, things like that. But and then usually if it's something like movement, if it's, uh, if it's bad enough that, you know, if it's, if it's bad enough that we consider it bad, it's kind of hard to describe. It's not, it's not to the point of if it's bad enough, the person is unrecognizable. No, it's a little bit less than that. But, um, but yeah, we usually sit down and talk about it. What do you think? You know, this person moved a little bit. Um, do you think you'd be steady if you want to try again? You know, let's, it's sitting for a tintype is hard. That's why we have had braces and, and chairs and, you know, period correct chairs sitting for a tintype is a lot of work. And, you know, some, some people may say, look, I'm not going to be any steadier. That's, that's great. Love it. But, you know, it is what it is. But the wedding, yeah, the wedding went well. We, uh, we made all the images and, oh, it had gotten cold. It had gotten, it had gotten chilly. Um, as soon as we were done the last image, we were we were kind of in a in a in a back room of the historic location, which is the uh, historic round barn and market just north of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Very cool barn. This barn was gorgeous set up and lit up with all the tables. I mean, amazing, amazing place. And and the people that that I that I I talked with people there at the barn, you know, top notch, top notch. If you ever get a chance to check them out, stop in, say hi. If you want to do a uh, special event there, uh, they are a little bit pricey, but they they do a, they do a really good job. They got a lot of people make sure that everything runs well, and they they're having a little bit of a problem with uh, you know they're they've got a little bit of upkeep that they need a little bit of help for. So if you can go and maybe. Maybe buy a couple things from their market, or or next time you have an event in the area, and you can you can rent out the venue. Um, they've they've been trying to get their their roof sound. Ideally, from what I understand, they may need a new roof, and that's going to be a lot of money. 
and um, and we've we've talked to a couple of the people there, asked how we might be able to help with fundraising. We might be doing something in the future, but if not, you know, we we kind of reached out and offered. And we'll see. Right. Once that was done, we uh, the at the last plate. And we, we were not in public eye. We were just really doing a lot of, you know, doing, we did a, a ton of plates for the bride and groom and um, bridesmaids, groomsmen, families, things like that. But we were not in the, the public eye. And as soon as that last plate was done, fixed, and they were happy with it, I, you know, we, we, just, took, we just took a moment. We just took a moment to put our jackets on, kind of warm our hands up. It was cold. Because you got to think, an old barn, they had these louvers all around where air was just gushing in and through. And it was, it was I don't want to say miserable, but it was kind of miserable. And, and at no fault of the of the, the barn, but a completely at fault of the weather. Yeah. It was miserable. Told Christine was, you know, working with the water and the, and the, the fixer and everything. So, of course, I knew her hands were cold. I said, look, go, go to the bathroom wash your hands under warm water, dry them real good, come back, and then, like, you know, bundle up in your coat a little bit and get some get some body heat back. I was going to just start, you know, start collapsing stuff down. Her and I took turns with, uh, we, we took our time taking down all the, the electronics, the background, the background stand, all the, all the while that the plates were drying. Got pretty much everything done and then um, got everything in, in the, into a pile christine was slowly taking that out to the car while i scanned all the plates and i varnished them there and just to be able to have them ready for the the bride and groom when they were done the wedding coordinator said they, they weren't sure if they were going to take the plates tonight or uh well yesterday or today which would have been tonight or tomorrow from you know from us being there yesterday and but you know we set them up we set them up into a, into a, a nice safe spot we gave them the instruction, the instructions on how to protect them for the the night while the the varnish is still, you know, kind of doing its final hardening step, and uh, and and we and we left. It was it was such a good time. Um, yeah, I hope that the bride and groom were on a, maybe a nice a nice honeymoon. I'd uh, put the put the all the tintype scans on the, on a gallery for them and uh, and sent them the link to that, but. That was a that was a good event. We really had a good. really had a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about. I I saw that Orwo has come out with another film, and if you've if you're a film shooter and you've ever used Orwo, there's a lot of love and a well, there's a little bit of love and there's a lot of hate for Orwo. Orwo is. I'm not really sure how to explain Orwo. Uh, I've I've always had problems with Orwo as far as. I would get an email, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so is on sale. And then you go to the website and the sale's not there. You call them, complain, oh, well, you missed the sale. And that happened a couple more times than it should have. I think you remember that too, where you were, I think there was a couple of times when I told you, hey, by the way, Orwo 100, 100 ISO is on sale. And then when you get it in, you know, I asked you if you got the sale. Oh, no, they, they told me it wasn't available. It was really weird stuff. And, uh, and, yeah, I don't know. Orwo was always kind of funky. Anyway, they've got a new they've got a new film stock out there called Wolfen NP100, and they're calling it as an exceptionally fine grain 100 ASA. That's 100 ISO, but I like ASA. People that know ASA 
Good on you. 36 exposure, black and white photographic film. And I'll tell you what, this photographic film, I don't like the tonality of it. I am not a fan of tonality. Maybe you are a fan of the way this film looks. And if you are, support them. Definitely support them. Um, this is one of the first, I think, I think the, I saw an article that this is the first film that they've come up with in like 20 years. But on the other hand, it's, it's pretty expensive. And Orwo used to sell 400 foot canisters and you can load the film yourself, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. That's what I always did. But now they're selling only 36 exposure rolls, $11 a piece. Wow. Kinda. Yeah. Um, they're talking about it. Uh, it has an additional dyed anti-halation layer. Layer is positioned between the base material and the emulsion layer. It has a task of preventing the formulation of reflection halo. I'm not entirely sure if that's a, usually uh, anti-halation or um, also remjet layers. Usually you've got to get rid of them a little bit differently in your developing step. So I'm not really sure. I guess there's a processing uh, There's a processing tab here. Let me click on that and see what, what happens uh, there. Uh, they only have a limited run of 36,000 rolls of film. It is being pro- uh, packaged in a steel standardized DX coated canisters processing. Let's see here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Process. Um, I would even give you a couple formula for your own developer, but uh, they're talking about Kodak D96. Is D96 the one that I used to that I always used to like? D96 is the high is a high high contrast, isn't it? I'm not sure. Let me look it up. Kodak D96. I'm pretty sure that that is the stuff. Um, oh, uh, usually where I where I usually go for this is it's called um, Digital Truth, and I know it's kind of a weird name. It kind of makes you think you're going to learn about like flat earth stuff, but you're not, I, I promise you. But if you go to digitaltruth.com, all one word, you get the massive dev chart and it gives you all the, all the stuff for, okay, you've got this film. Here's the developer that matches with it. Here's, here's what you need to know. They also have a darkroom app, which of course we have for the ice, for the iPhone store and the Googly store. And, uh, and that's really cool. It's a darkroom timer. You can set all your timers for, you know, your development bath, stop bath, fixer, all that fun stuff. Formula data, film developer, Kodak. Oh, D19 is the one I was thinking of. D19 is the one I was always thinking of. I don't see a formula for D96. Hmm. This may be the one here. Uh, they're, they're calling it Orwo 17 or Kodak D96 for the developer. Number two step in the development procedure is a spray washing. That may be a problem. That may be where you're getting the, the remjet or the anti-halation layer off. You know, maybe you need to spray wash it in order to knock all those things out. Thankfully, a lot of your developer is one shot. Well, your developer really is. Most developers are one shot, which means you just put enough in there to do one, you know, enough to do one roll. And then you, and then you, you, you dump it down the sink. Spray washing is probably going to get a lot of that remjet or anti-halation layer off. <clears throat> Fixing 
spray washing again. No stop bath because I'm thinking, you know, with with spray washing, you're you're getting so much water on that roll that you don't really need to stop the developer. So developer, spray wash, fix, spray wash, wet, and dry. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I wouldn't mind to get a roll to play around with, but I'll tell you what, the, some of the photos that I saw, I, I really wasn't a big fan of it. And if if I'm if I was thinking that, that Kodak D96 was your high contrast, that really made a lot of sense because this film looks like a lot of contrast. It, the latitude seems to be weird. I don't know. If any of you guys out there have ever shot this Wolfen um, NP100 or maybe you get a roll of this stuff to play with, I'd, I'd love to see your shots and I'd love to see what you what you think about that. I also saw another thing on Kickstarter. I'm not entirely sure what I what I think about it, but it's a Kickstarter campaign called Pinhole Pro. It's the most advanced multi-pinhole and zoom lens. It is a pinhole lens that has six different apertures, a.k.a. six different hole sizes, basically. And I'm guessing that it, it well, I'm not guessing, I know. I know that it expand, expands a little bit so that you have a, the equivalent of like an 18 by 36 millimeter zoom. And then they have some, some filter dealios for the top, I think. Or you can at least put a filter on it or not. Some of the, some of the, ex, the example photos look great. And they've, they're saying that they were 100% funded in less than an hour. They, they have a $10,000 goal, $10, goal. They're up to $243,000. And they have 943 backers with three days to go. Let's see what it costs. It's $70 for the basic Kickstarter pinhole camera. Ah. I've talked about this before to the point where people are kickstarting new stuff. And now good for them. Good for them that they've reached their goal. I always love seeing new stuff. But it's almost kind of one of those things where and maybe look and if a if a 70, 80, 90, 100 dollar whatever the whatever the pinhole lens ends up being for for people that did not support the Kickstarter. If that thing allows people to get out and play around with pinhole lenses on digital cameras, on your mirrorless cameras, whatever you want to do, then then good on them. The problem is I think half the half the fun of a pinhole camera, a pinhole lens is making the, the stupid thing. Yeah. I like that they give you multiple apertures. They're they're likely laser pinholes they're likely very 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 exact pinholes and and reproduce so that you know exactly what what the aperture is and if you want to play around with going manual with your camera and then figuring out apertures you should be okay so i don't know i could see i could see both both sides i can see people like us that love to make our own pinhole camera and then i can see people that that they want something unique and and I yeah good good on them because this definitely this definitely you know appeals to those people yeah what do you think i think it offers something that for those that don't want to do it by themselves mhm and it's probably not for us we like to do our own and create our own 
lenses, but yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't play with it if I had one. Yeah, they've they've apparently had a couple other Kickstarters, one for a Pinhole Pro X8. Oh, the same the same lens, but it's not Mark. This is Mark II. This is the same lens. I don't know what the difference is. Um. Oh, it, it, this the the first one didn't appear to have different apertures. It was just one pinhole. And then you can still zoom at 18 to 36. One that was a wide angle. And then one that was a, it was a non, a non-zoomy version. And the wide angle, the pinhole is closer to the, the actual camera mount. Therefore, you've got a wider angle camera lens. And apparently that had the adjustment. You can go between 11 million millimeter and 37 millimeter. And all those were Kickstarters and they, and they were backed. I'm not really too sure. I'm looking at their Kickstarter now and they're talking about, they're talking about, and they use a vintage look with a modern twist. Have, have we gotten to the point where it's, is sharpness modern and is is out of sharpness vintage? I don't get it. We've had, I mean, look at look at the camera and the lens we used yesterday at the wedding. Tack sharp. Yeah. Why is why is out of focus vintage? Now, look, I understand marketing lingo, and I'm glad that they're doing the marketing thing. But but the problem is, why all of a sudden is out of focusness vintage? Because None of this looks vintage. If you look at the, their sample photos, everything that they have on there has got a weird color shift to it. These are digital photos. These are digital photos you put color shifts on. One's black and white. Uh, one looks like it even has maybe some of the Topaz or the Nick. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's Topaz. I think it's Nick. They've got a couple film stocks that you can make your you can make your shots look look at. Here's one here that's that's desaturated. That it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Do you think that getting a getting a an image in a camera and then intentionally defocusing it, intentionally blurring a little bit, do you think it would have the same the same impact? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I was just thinking about that. There was one that I that I always used to like, which was um and it, this was a long, long time ago, just playing with it, but taking two images, take an image in, in focus, take an image with it out of focus, and then kind of layering them together and playing with that. And that was always a lot of fun. I never really, you know, I never would have done that in my professional work, but just, just playing around that gives kind of a unique look and a unique effect. And, uh, and real quick, before we go on to, uh, to that, um, the, uh, we've talked about the solar can a few times. And this, what the solar can is, it is a kind of a, an aluminum drink can with a piece of photographic paper in there already, already got a pinhole on the front, and it's sealed up so that you can buy a solar can, you can tape the camera somewhere, make a, a long exposure, take it down, disassemble the camera, and then get to your paper. And we've talked about that. We've talked about how it would be great if they come up with a reusable way and I'm not exactly saying that they listen to the podcast, but there is now a solar can a reusable camera on Kickstarter called the Solar Can Puck. And I've never used a solar can product before, but 
I backed this one. I backed the solar can puck, and what it is, it almost looks like a, it almost looks like a camera body cap, like a front and a back of the body cap, and it. Let's say great minds think alike, because Christine and I have been building cameras that we give out at you know our kids' classes. That's that's very similar. It's a, uh, it's a like a metal base and a metal top. You know what it looks like? It looks like a custom one of those. Like you know, you get a you get a makeup tin or something. Yeah. And it's a it's a little bit bigger than it's almost maybe maybe the size of a baseball, but it screws on and you can put like waxes. Uh, I've, I have a I've bought a shaving cream that's been in tins like that. I've seen pipe tobacco in tins tins like that. But the thing is, is where we would do it, we would screw these tins together and cut a pinhole on the front. And then once we once we screw those cans together, we put a piece of black electrical tape. Well, they've got the same thing, but they have a black rubber band that you put around the solar can. And then they give you a and they give you one of those those sticky mounts for the back and some zip ties. And and the cool thing about this is it it comes with I don't know if it comes with the with a piece of paper inside like they usually do, but they also have nine sheets of paper so that you when you're done making one, you put another piece of paper in there and you do it again. And they've actually gotten to a, to a point where you know, they're they're trying to make it easy for people. You open the you open it up, as soon as you open up, you have your phone ready, take a photo and make it an inversion. And there's your photo. Yeah. They, did, they did a pretty good job. I'm really looking forward to seeing what um, what what they've come up with. As I said, it's very uh, it's very similar to to our homemade stuff. So I'm I'm it's a big applause to them for making a uh, making a, a mass produced version. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the the quality and the craftsmanship for that, and we will report back on that. But is this something you can build yourself? Absolutely. But think about it. You're getting a you're getting a reusable baseball sized pinhole camera, and I, I think I I think I paid thirty six dollars plus shipping to the United States. You're getting the solar can puck. You're getting nine additional exposures, and you're getting something that is much more professional looking. What's the problem with unprofessional looking pinhole cameras, Christine? They can be uh, thought of as trash if they're not. Put well, they can be mis. They can labeled. be. They can be mislaid. You know, they can be. Um, as Christine said, oh, a piece of trash. Here's a can that's taped to a, a pole facing the the ocean, or in some bad cases, people might think it might be a little bit something Suspicious. more nefarious. Exactly. And the last thing you want to do is well, the, the last thing you want to do is put something out that it says camera. Right. But. Well, maybe that's the second to last. And the last thing you want to do is have the bomb squad come out in your town and blow up blow up your can and and waste their time and resources on something that that uh, you really should have had it. You know, you really should have either hid more. And the thing is, you really need to get permission to do this. But even if you get permission to do this out in public, you need to hide it better from the public. Right. People see stuff all the time and crazy stuff. And you like I said, you may have it you should have permission, but somebody sees a, a can taped to a pole and they might freak out. I don't know. So I'm wondering if this solar can is uh, is going to be a little bit better 
at doing that. As I said, I think I paid $36 plus five or six dollars for for uh, shipment to the United States. Is it fun making your own? Yes. But if you were to make something that was round, now now you got to get photographic paper. Now you got to get, you know, one of those circle cutters. And the the Fiskar so circle cutter. You got to get yourself a red light and a dark room and put it all out and cut a bunch of circles. You got to measure it. You got to make sure that it fits your camera, cut a bunch of circles. Circles are a little bit on the wasteful side if you're doing it yourself. Um, Christy and I have, have experimented a lot with the, the square tins as well. We love the we love the screw-on tins, but the square tins are just as good, especially if you're putting a bunch of them out and the public may destroy them. You know, whether or not you have you have permission, the public may sit there and say, oh, what's this? Rip it and open it up. And there's no candy inside. So they throw it on the ground or throw it in the trash can. It's yeah. just interesting. Can you make one yourself? Are you going to have a lot of fun making one yourself? Yes. But I think this might be another. This might be a better thing than the lens to get people's foot in the door. As far as alternative processes. Yeah. Because you've got a piece of photographic paper. Not the not the digital printy kind, but the silver the silver burny kind, and you put one in, make the exposure. When you're done, you you got a bag, likely a black plastic bag, more exposures. Put it in there and, and done. Hopefully, the black plastic bag has got a seal on it, and maybe a bag within a bag, like normal photographic paper. I don't know. I'm really interested in seeing how how they do it. What we usually do is I will give multiple exposures in a in a black plastic bag that has no that that has an open top and then we put it in another black plastic bag with a with a ziploc on it and then we give people a template i'm i'm very interested to see if solar cans doing this but we give people a template solar cam might be just selling the things the template we give people is something that they can use to cut out their own paper again super 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 simple um we usually give we get these really small rolls of black electrical tape and we allow people, it's going to be several exposures worth of electrical tape just to get them started. Get them started. Some of our pinhole cameras, they, uh, they're they completely built up. Depending on the class, some of them we give everybody everything to get started. We'll, we'll drill a big hole in the, in the, in the camera itself. We give them a nice brass a pinhole that that we we made ourselves either a brass one we've we've drilled by hand or a smaller stainless steel piece of uh, piece of material that we've laser laser in, uh, cut a pinhole in and then tape tape to tape that in a piece of construction paper to kind of line it that way you get rid of all your all your reflective edges or sometimes we've done black matte acrylic paint it really depends on the class and because you don't want to have any any reflections in there. But I think it's I think it's pretty good. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It can be, yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing what solar can uh, solar cans kind of come up with. Looking forward to playing around with it a little bit. Yeah, I have said it before. We we finally received our DJI wireless microphone. I've got a I've got an unboxing video on the on the the, the Lapity Top thing over there, and I just need to put it together. 
Uh, that will go out like always. That will go out to our, our Patreon subscription supporters first, and then it will go out to public. And we also want to do a video of of just just trying it out. Yesterday we did some some audio testing while driving in the car. I've not brought it back in. I'm kind of a little gun shy about that because the last big thing that we did, I had audio problems. I know I'm not going to have any issues with the DJI. It's so well built. It's so awesome. And we're having so much fun with it. I, I don't think there's anything I hate about it. it. It seems to work very well and it meets all our needs. I would like to have... And and just just to kind of talk about this, that it comes in a in a brick that's a battery. All the stuff fits in there with magnets, and they fit in their own little spots. And they charge the the receiver and the two transmitters by themselves from the battery case. The battery the battery case itself can charge these things almost two times. And as soon as I open the lid, everything turns on and syncs, and I can be ready in in no time at all. Each transmitter itself has a memory built in, 8 gigabytes built in. Unfortunately, the receiver doesn't have anything built in, but that's what you're going to have hooked up to your phone or your camera or your audio device anyway. But it would be nice to have that extra... Give, give DJI room to improve this product when they, when they make this obsolete and come out with the version 2 in like 7 months. And that, that will have another memory card in the in the receiver but the 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 touch screens the the led touch screens are so easy i think they're i don't know if they're oled but they're they're nice responsive touch screens i can mute from the receiver i can start recording from the receiver when i plug the transmitters into the computer man they they sync up so quick i mean by the time i i plug the usb-c in and look up on my screen they're there that's how fast this connection is DJI did a great job. I'm I'm really looking forward to using this more, and uh, and I've already started using it for, you know, trying to tr trying to play with it as a wireless microphone system for our Rodecaster Pro, because we have a couple events coming up where I'm going to have my mixer there, and I love the fact that I can plug this into the Rodecaster Pro. I've got a I've got a a one eighth inch. TRS connection that goes into two XLR connections and I can separate left and right with transmitter one transmitter two and I can I can mix it left and right I like it I like it a lot I'm gushing about it now <laughs> we were gushing about <laughs> it before we received it just from what we saw about it well here's the problem and, and the same thing with these triple tech laptop tablets which, by the way, there's a there's a new version, there's a new firmware version out there. I really want to do a factory reset and 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 kind of go through everything again and write down all of my gripes and complaints with the triple tech. And I've I've said that before. This is the triple tech that that a lot of drone photographers got advanced copies of, and they're gushing all over. Oh, how great they are! It's really probably the cheapest license of Google Androids operating system you can get there's a lot of things wrong with it is it anything a deal breaker no but it's it's enough of a deal breaker that when i got it i thought to myself i don't know if i want to keep this or not i'm glad i did because it look it's a drone tablet that has a screen that is very bright even in bright sunlight but with that said 
you're not going to buy this tablet and do nothing. I'm going to put my social media stuff on it. I'm going to put some photo editing stuff on it. I'm going to expect to take the SD card out of the drone and plug it into this thing so that I can put it, I don't have to do the wireless thing. Because I don't know if anybody who flies drones knows this, but when drones want to fly, when you have the, the power on the drone, it will overheat pretty quickly. Right. And when it overheats, the fan runs, the drone doesn't like it, nobody's having a good day, and here I am trying to download a, a, a big video or a, or a big stack of photos. It sucks. And the problem with this tablet is you've got to download a special like NTSC, N, uh, N, NTS, um, NTSF. NT, oh, my goodness. I just said NTSC and completely ruined my – what the fault? Jeez, NTSB. That's the National Traffic Safety Board. Dang it. NTFS. There we go. <laughs> Jeez. You, you got to have this NTFS thing on there. And – the triple tech site like gives you a, a gives you a link to it on the Google store or it says or you can download this APK completely pirating the software. It's like really guys I think that may have been fixed in this new firmware version. I don't know. I'm going to find. But anyway, to get back to my point, believe it or not, you never can tell what what uh, some of these YouTubers that get advanced copies. You can't tell if they're you know, are they sitting there and just telling how great it is because the company sent them a couple dollars and a couple a couple units, or are you being completely transparent and as uh, as Luke over at the Outdoor Gear Review says, completely agenda free? I don't know. And the triple tech kind of cemented that re that reminder into my brain that don't trust what you hear from people who got the stuff for free and probably got paid to advertise it. I don't know how much. The drone people got paid plus getting a, a free copy of it. I hope they got paid a lot because they completely missed the boat on talking about how some things are problematic. There are workarounds for everything, but some things are problematic on this tablet. The DJI wireless mic, we came into it thinking that, you know, it might not be as cracked up as it seems to be, but it does. It seems to be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing before we go. Man, it has been an hour already. One last thing before we go. I woke up this morning and I found out that we have reached the milestone of, insert congratulatory wave file here, 100 subscribers on our YouTube channel. I know that doesn't seem to be much considering everybody's got more than 100. I think people's cats probably have more than 100. <laughs> but every but we everybody starts off somewhere, and that is just one single little milestone that it actually made it made us feel good. And even though we are not regular on YouTube, we uh, we hope that we are still a little bit entertaining with our with our limited things going out with with more events going on this year. We're hoping to hoping to do more. And and really, I'm kind of done with promising that we're going to be doing YouTube videos. But I am going to promise one thing: we are going to we are going to learn more about recording these videos so that we can then promise to make more YouTube videos. I mean, we are going to make more videos throughout the year, and we look forward to it, but we still really need to get into the swing of every little thing that changes, get a shot of it. Every little thing that's cool, get a shot of it. We're still in that mindset where 
our first thought is, oh, good morning, let's get up. And then we're, we're halfway driving down the road, and we're like, oh, man, we should have we did a video good morning. Or we should have videoed saying good night. We did that at Manassas with completely lovely light. I mean, we just looked fantastic at that angle laying in the in the micro camper. <laughs> but but th that's the kind of stuff that we, we, we need to work on and learn. And I know I've been saying this forever, but since we have a milestone, I just wanted to say it again. But if you haven't yet, I, I shared um, I shared our uh, YouTube channel with some of our Facebook stuff. I don't know. But in our show notes is always the link to our YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I'd appreciate if you guys went on over there and uh, and gave us a little little subscribe you do and a thumbsy up. And I don't care about the bell. The bell's kind of silly. The bell is like your notifications. But I never go to YouTube.com. I always go straight to our subscriptions. Yeah. And if you put something out, you're going to see it on subscriptions because – YouTube, at least for us, is absolute hot garbage. It is a dumpster fire trying to suggest stuff to me. I go on there and there's somebody in doing makeup tutorials for sideshow performers. I don't care. I don't care about theatrical makeup. I don't I don't care, I care about makeup at all, but especially theatrical makeup, which kind of looks like clown makeup because you have to put it on heavy. I'm not I'm not like making fun of anybody, but theatrical makeup you have to go on on heavy just because of lighting or, or whatever. But I don't care what YouTube has to recommend to me. And maybe you guys are the same way, but I, I, I bookmark youtube.com forward slash subscription. So therefore everybody I'm subscribed to, I see in a, in a chronological list of how, of, of who uploaded something when, and I like it. And I've never had the need for the, the, the bell thing. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. So if you don't mind, go over and check us out. If you like us, we'd love a, a subscription and we'd love a couple thumbs ups. And we'd like you to tell your friends and your family about us. But for now, you can connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. Your comments just might make it to a future episode. My con my question is, have you used the Orwo film? Uh, what are you thinking about the solar can puck? And... Do you have this DJI microphone thing? What do you think about it? As always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us. All the love and support we receive from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon and subscription supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You should get our shows early with our supporters only after show, all without ads. Be sure to check out other supporter tiers as well, which are good towards bringing you along on our darkroom projects with great rewards. All of the links we found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 94 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation, other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Milliker, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on Patreon or supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to you. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it coming. I felt it like, oh, everything's going to fall apart any second now. And I am not editing this out. So I'm going to say it again. Thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.